Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Nicole Song. Nicole is the best-selling author of 24 Ways to Move More and America's Work-Life Balance Coach. She helps women to discover a more aligned path so they are living on purpose. The founder of Nicole Song Coaching, she reached hundreds of thousands of readers as the former Fit for Life columnist for the Seattle Times. She is the creator of the Clear Calling Method that helps women create true work-life balance so they find alignment with their purpose. She's an award-winning journalist and for three years taught yoga at the White House Easter egg roll during the Obama administration. She's been featured on Good Morning Washington in Washington, D.C., on New Day NW in Seattle, on Your California Life in Sacramento, in the Seattle Times, and reached thousands of people as a speaker with the Seattle Public Library, Elliott Bay Bookstore, and King County Library System. And now she is here with us on our show. Welcome to Wickedly Smart Women, Nicole. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Ah, I'm so excited to have you here. So, Nicole, I'm really curious about... Were you always, as a child, like the mover in your family? Were you the one who was always in motion, always active, always like trying to help others get into their fitness and into their like being able to be balanced in their body and their life? Or is this something that came later for you? Oh, this came much later. I feel like as a child, I never even defined myself as an athlete. I feel like I was always trying to keep up with my older sister and she did things like ice skating. So I was an ice skater, you know, one of those things. And then I wanted to really be in sports. I feel like more for the social component because it was acceptable. Like in high school, I joined the tennis team and I ran track for a year just for fun, which I didn't really like. And so I feel like actually all through that time, I never really felt like an athlete. I felt like I was just trying to keep up with people. And I was never somebody who was going to be recruited into college, into moving. And so I actually felt very challenged by it when I was young. Mm. And it was much, much later in life. And even as a young adult, I was just trying to actually feel like I was moving. And I was, I'm air quoting exercise, exercising, because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Like I did, I got a job at the Anchorage Daily News and I was very dutiful. And I worked, you know, I worked out at the gym three days a week on the elliptical, flipping through magazines. And I was so, board. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah. And so over time, so actually it really turned into when I moved to Seattle and I moved to Seattle to work for the Seattle times. And I was like, I don't really like the gym. I was really clear on it by that point. And so I decided to start practicing yoga. And then when I started to do yoga, I actually got something that was beyond movement. Like I joined cause I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be fit, but I actually started to understand that I could have some inner peace. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. But what I had to understand first is that I didn't have inner peace because mm. I would get in there and my mind would just be going. And when you're in a yoga practice, they're constantly having you access your breath. And I was like, wow, I just have my mind is running constantly. And I would come in really stressed. You know, I'm always on, always on deadline for the newspaper. And I would come in so anxious and so stressed. And I would be worried about stories. I'd be worried about making errors in the next story I had written. And then at the end of class, I would actually feel calm and I would not be worried anymore. And that was the first time I really started to understand that movement was so much more than just, you know, moving my body, running around whatever that looked like. Mm, beautiful. Well, it's interesting. I My spiritual awakening precipitated out of yoga as well. And I was the same gal. I was, you know, on the elliptical, watching the TV during the, you know, like not to completely checked out. And then I injured myself skiing. And after I injured myself skiing, I saw the physical therapist for six weeks and it was all in the same gym. And I said, well, what do you think about this yoga thing? And he said, well, you know, go in and if there's a pose that hurts, just don't do it. I was like, well, that's good. Good idea, right? Just don't do it. And that yoga teacher, she, when I walked in, she emanated peace. She emanated such a level of peace that I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I want what she's got. I want what she's got. And so, yeah, movement of your body in a context like yoga, I think is completely different than the kind of exercise culture. So let's talk about your kind of years as a journalist and what inspired you to eventually start your own business and, and leave your award-winning career in journalism. Well, my award-winning career really came at a great cost. And so when I was in Anchorage, I was a young reporter and I was doing the things you're supposed to do to climb the ladder, which is work at small newspapers and work your way up to big ones. And so I had been an intern at the Seattle Times, and then I got a job in Anchorage, which is a very well-respected newspaper. And so I, I was super excited. I was like, this is such a great opportunity. And then when I was there, a couple of years in, they asked me to cover Catholic sex abuse, which had been at the time really big nationwide. And so they were starting to investigate what was happening in Anchorage. And being asked to be on that project was like a huge privilege. And so I was super excited to get that. And I was pulled off for several months. And so during that time, I started interviewing the victims of Catholic sex abuse and sex abuse by priests. And it was, as you can probably imagine, a very intense experience, you know, hearing people's stories. And during that time, I got very close to the family in particular that I was, we were investigating and talking to. And so the story comes out, we do a really great job, we win all kinds of awards, and I'm like, oh, this is great, and we're still doing this. A year later or so, after all of it started, one of the victims died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And so that was for me the first time I, you know, I, I'm, I love the name of this podcast because I'm one of those people, very smart. Mm -hmm. I was a really smart, you know, a smart cookie. I had like done all these things in my life. And I was like, you know, doing this really huge project. And then I was confronted for the first time by an experience that I just had literally no idea how to handle. And on top of that, you know, I was also still doing my job. I was still reporting about his death. The family was super upset with us. As you can imagine, they were going through so much themselves. And so they were upset about many different pieces of what we had done. And so I really just didn't know what to do. And it was definitely in that moment where I realized I was like, this job is not worth any amount of money. Like mm -hmm. you could pay me a million dollars and the way I'm feeling right now would not be covered by that million dollars. And so I just did my best. Like I took, I went to therapy for a little bit and I tried to crawl out of this hole. And then my way of trying to, you know, at 26 year olds figure this out was to switch jobs within journalism. So I tried covering politics, 
less dramatic, very different, but very intense. And then I decided to leave the news side completely and I went over to features. And so I started covering home and garden and then I moved into just general features. And I actually thought I kind of fixed the problem because I was like, oh, this feels really good. I really enjoy this. I'm having fun writing. And then of course the newspaper started to downsize and I got late. I didn't get laid off, but a lot of people were getting laid off. And then I was having to confront like, what did I really want to do again? And they said, hey, Nicole, you have so much experience in news. We're going to move you back to the newsroom. And so that was really challenging for me again, because I was like, I worked so hard to get away from the job that had really traumatized me. And then now I'm having to move back. So during that time, I was doing a lot of yoga. And so my first move was to take this very bold leap and to leave and actually teach yoga full time. So I left this sort of corporate ladder career for myself and decided to teach. Mm. And that was the first time I understood what it meant to start to follow something outside of myself. But I was the first person who'd ever left the newsroom to teach yoga. And people were like mystified by this choice. And I really knew deep down, I was like, this is not the work for me anymore. And I need to try something that's very scary, like Mm -hmm. very scary financially, security wise, like, you know, I was working for myself as an independent contractor, but that was the first time I started to understand what it meant to follow something outside of yourself. Mm. And really that led me to the trajectory of opening my own business. Yeah. Great. So there's a few things that I want to underscore for our, our listeners here. One is, you know, if you are in a corporate environment and you're doing work that is soul sucking or a million dollars could never compensate you for for that work. One of the things that I'm hearing that you modeled there for our listeners, Nicole, is that you're not stuck there. You can make lateral moves, right? And you made a number of what we would call lateral moves until you lateraled yourself right out of the industry altogether. So I'd love to have you, because, you know, as you said, it was the first time something outside of yourself. And I would maybe push back on that and say it was probably something inside yourself, (laughs) more like something inside yourself that was like a calling to leave behind a career. Was there something that you did to give yourself the courage? Was it more yoga? Was it, you know, surrounding yourself with people who were doing this sort of thing? I mean, it sounds like you were pretty much a trailblazer at the time in your industry. Like, I'm leaving, I'm going to go teach yoga. And that's not something that most people who are on the kind of upward mobility track would ever consider doing. So was there anything, any process or choice that you made or moment in time or divine intervention that allowed you to make that choice and navigate it so successfully? Yeah. Well, I remember the first time I heard that call and it was inside. So thank you for saying that. And it really was inside. And it was at a yoga teacher training because I went to it thinking, I don't really know, like, I don't really want to teach yoga. That's what I thought. I went there just for myself, for exploration. And then when I was there, I was like, oh, I think there is actually something here for me. And then I squashed it down for a while, you know, as as we do. I just said, I'm going to just teach yoga and still work with the paper. So then I made myself crazy because I was teaching four yoga classes on top of a full-time job. And I was, it was very intense. And then I went to the second round of teacher training. And in that training, it was very clear. It was like, you need to leave, like you need to be done. And it took me another six months or so to actually do it. And I made myself feel really good. So I heard that call and it was very clear. And I feel like if I look back now at what happened is that 
the cost was too high for me to stay. And so it wasn't that I had so much to make a decision. I just could not actually stay where I was at any longer. Mm -hmm. And so in doing that, because I was so scared, you know, I was so scared. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I like saved a bunch of money and I did all this. And like walking into my editor's office to tell her I was giving notice was literally, I was trembling. Like I was so afraid. And I also knew that I could not stay. I was really at this point. And I actually had done enough work on myself at that point where I was okay with the job. So I kind of tricked myself a little into thinking I could be a journalist for a while longer. I was finding inner peace. I was calmer. I was happier. And it was really clear that I needed to do something in this world that was different than what I was doing and that there would be a cost to me staying. And that's really what I would say so much of my choices since then have been around is like when people say, how do you follow your intuition? How do you follow a divine purpose or a divine call? And I always say, let's look at the cost because Mm -hmm. the cost is so high. And for me at that time, because I would say I don't have nearly as much experience and tools and connection now I have so much more than I did back then. And I was always really clear the cost was really high. Mm-hmm. And when the cost is that high, and I still to this day, when I'm asked to do scary things, which I'm asked to do all the time, I always look at what's the cost of not doing it. Mm-hmm. And that cost is too high. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Jump off to the next thing. And find your wings, of course. Yes. Well, yes. I love this too. It's interesting because my own path, a lot of times I have guests on the show and it's like, oh yeah, I I did that, that thing. (laughs) And my own path, I left the real estate industry. My last project was 51 single family houses, 56 apartments and an office building. And I walked into my partner and I was like, yeah, I'm done and felt the same way. And it was as a result of starting a yoga practice that precipitated and For me, I knew if I stayed another minute, I was going to die. I literally felt like I was going to die. So on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you help people. But right now we are going to take a break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We are also celebrating. We have just one not just our sixth, but also our seventh award for the show. So we have now got a seven-time award-winning show. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our guests and our listeners and our team behind the scene for allowing us to keep rolling here and keep being an award-winning experience for people who are listening. We do want to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. And we want to thank all of our listeners from 103 countries around the world who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We will be right back with Nicole Song. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. 
And we are back with Nicole Song. Before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, the decision to leave something because the cost of staying is too high or the decision to do something because the cost of not doing that thing is too high. And so let's talk a little bit, Nicole, before we before we go much further about some habits and routines that you have found are useful for yourself and let our listeners know where they can find out more about you. So you can go to go.nicolesong.com forward slash morning hyphen routine hyphen habits. Our team will have that link for you in the show notes. So it's first we have to make the choice, right? We're in that shaking, fearful, oh my God, what the hell am I doing moment of making the choice to leave behind a long award-winning career and have people look at us like we have three heads. But it's not just that, Nicole, it's also like landing the leap. So I would imagine that some of these morning routines that you have set up here for our listeners are useful in landing the leap. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Sure. I love that. Landing the leap is really important. And I would say whenever these divine calls come, where they are, whatever version they are for you, is very much about you being yourself. And you being yourself is what purpose is and being in your calling. And I also say to my clients all the time that being yourself is literally a full-time job. Being yourself every day and being in the expression of who you are requires a lot of steadiness in your own self. And so that's where the morning routine habits really is from. It's like, how do you maintain who you are on a daily basis? And a lot of it, we can make it feel like, you know, I talk to women all the time who are really stressed out. They don't have enough time. They feel overwhelmed and taking a ton of time for themselves every day feels like a lot. They're juggling families or juggling work. And so this five-day challenge is really designed to make it simple and really easy so that you can just start to create it. And to me, it's more than a habit. It's more than the habit of just your morning routine. It's actually the habit of being yourself every day. And how do you maintain that as a habit and is the top priority for yourself? And so that's really why I created this because I find again so many women come into me they're so stressed out they're big career women they're they're smart they're doing all the things that angel and i know so well around striving in areas that aren't feeling really fulfilling and so this is where this kind of routine can make a big difference mm, beautiful so i want to talk now about this idea of steadiness and self because both of us and probably many of the people who are listening and i know for sure many of our guests you know we're evolving all the time too Right. And so you evolved from being a journalist to being a yoga teacher to now you are a, you know, a coach. And can you talk to me about this idea of how do we remain steady in ourselves and navigate like consistent evolution simultaneously? <laughs> right. Such a good question. Yeah. Uh, and I feel that every day because for me, it's like because my life is so dynamic. I need to have steadiness and structure that the only way I can manage the level of dynamic dynamicism is in, in my day truly is to have a structure and a routine every day. And I really adhere to it and I don't get hard on myself if I miss it. And I use it as a way to leverage my day and my energy. Cause people are always like, how do you do so many things? Like I've written books, I'm on television. Here I am with you. You know, I run my business I have clients and people are like, how do you fit so much in? I'm like, well, my routines and my structure actually allow me to be very tuned into myself. And when I'm really tuned into myself and into my intuition 
that's when I actually can execute on a much higher level. My capacity is way greater. And then I also understand when it's time to ask for help and to receive and to let my life be bigger than it might appear on a daily basis. But I get that actually from having a lot of steadiness in how I manage myself every day. Mm, I love that. I love the idea of let my life be bigger. Let my life be bigger. And, you know, one of the things that you help people with is this idea of work-life balance for anybody who isn't in that moment of considering leaving a career that's crazy and costing them too much. And then looking at, okay, how am I going to replace my financial flow considering jumping into entrepreneurship, I mean, it is an, a letting of your life being bigger. So for those people who might be considering that, like what would you offer to them as maybe one of your practices, one of your habits that you would encourage them at a minimum to stay connected to on a daily basis? I mean, I would say this is giving away one of the things in the morning challenge, which mm -hmm. is actually spending the first part of your day without your cell phone, mm -hmm. phone free. It is the most important thing that you can do because the phone is full of everybody else's priorities, the internet, your boss, emails, all of that. And then when, as soon as we let that in, you have forgotten what your priorities are immediately. And so if you can really start to commit to spending part of your day and especially the first chunk of your day without your phone, that's actually going to skyrocket you to say, oh, what am I about? What's important to me? What are my priorities? And then actually really set the tone for your day. Oh, beautiful. I love it. So let's talk about becoming an entrepreneur, yeah, right? So one of the things that becoming an entrepreneur requires is that you value your own vision. So I'd love to hear from you what inspired you to go further beyond yoga teacher, because yoga teacher is its own entrepreneurial venture. But now you're exponent, you've let your life be bigger, right? You're exponentially bigger. What were the things that you did to value your vision and continue to say, and what are you doing now to continue to say yes to your vision? It's such a good question. It really is for me. It's like, it's actually even having one seeing it and then knowing to follow it. And for me now, it's not so much about the cost of not doing it, but it's like you're saying, it's like really seeing the miracle on the other side of it. Because I was seeing how my world with yoga was awesome and also at a certain way small. And that my capacity and ability to deliver in the world was going to be a lot bigger as a coach, as a speaker, as a writer, as, a, as an author. And so that for me, it was actually time to step into something and lean into something bigger than myself, which was really opening my coaching business. And I had been coaching yoga teachers and doing that kind of work. And I could feel that limitation in that world. Like I loved it. And I was like, it's only limited to yoga teachers. Like there are so many women who could benefit from the work that I have to do. And so it required me to say, okay, there's so many women in the world who could use this support. And now I know that I will have a job forever in this work because there are so many people who really do need the support to see and to break free for themselves and to understand who they really are so that they can stand up and speak. You know, and I have lots of clients who get into this place where they want to become entrepreneurs. They're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, you know, you just take that step by step. 
you learn each piece as you go. And then you just keep evolving and allow yourself. Like I was recently feeling myself feel a little bit capped in my own business. Like I don't have enough time for everything that I have to do. So how do I up-level myself right now in the business that I have to create more capacity for what I need to do next, which might you know, look like limiting a certain kind of clientele and opening myself up into different ways. And that can be scary too. Like every step of entrepreneurship requires so much of that courage and requiring yourself to stay steady and then to keep listening into how do you keep going to that next level. Mm, beautiful. Well, one of the things we talked about in the green room also is anytime you step into entrepreneurship, you've got to be willing to be the voice of your business. So in the last few minutes that we have, you know, you are a model for Asian American women in particular for standing in the spotlight, having a voice. And in that cultural construct that a lot of times there's a, even more repression like there's repression because we're female right first there's like one layer of repression because we're female and then there's another layer of repression when there is you know when you're a person of color and then there's a third layer of repression when it's a cultural thing to to be quiet so i'd love to have you talk a little bit about what it's like to be a role model who has a voice and shows up and shines with it on a consistent basis well i don't think of myself as a role model per se i think of it more as what do i want for who's next so i look at there was a woman who helped me with my last book launch who has was an asian american woman who was an anchor Lori matsukawa in seattle and she was an anchor for 30 years and she was actually the person when i launched my book like she was my host. And it was so interesting. I realized in that moment, I was like, wow, I'm standing on her shoulders. Like she did that. And it's my duty to her to do more. And then I look at my niece, who's you know almost four. And I think the same thing for her. Like I have to do this so that she has that next level to step up into. And so really to me, it's like having other women who have been so powerful and then for me saying, oh, right, like I get to stand on their shoulders and then I need to be continue to be powerful so that more women can come forward and do that. And the more I do, I also know me speaking up simply gives permission to other women to make those choices for themselves. Mm, beautiful. Well, in the last minute that we have, Nicole, is there one particular message that you feel like is in your heart to convey to our listeners around the world? that you are powerful. And if there's any voice or there's anyone or anything in your life telling you that, that that is not true. And for you to start to understand and to dismiss that voice and to remember and to resource back into your own power. And then that is actually going to be the thing that changes the world. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Nicole. And listeners, we do love feedback. And we want to encourage you to go to go.nicolesong.com forward slash morning hyphen routine hyphen habits. Again, we'll have that for you in the show notes. We'd love to have you give us some feedback and let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. Let your life be bigger. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom 
and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.